Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Format One. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Dave Arora, and I'm the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support funds and founders and help accelerate their efforts via people, capital, and strategy. And now off to John. Hi, John Lowe here, a co-founder and advisor at Valence Advisory, and I'll keep it short and sweet because today's guest is Ashley Bittner. Um, I'll have Ashley introduce herself and what she's been up to uh, these recent months and years. Sure. Thank you guys for having me uh, today. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Ashley Bittner. I'm a founding partner at Firework Ventures, a fund I co-founded with Bridget Lau. So we lead Series A investments in the future of work, um, and we take a human-centered approach to our investing. So we invest in tech companies that are supporting people through the massive transition the economy is undergoing. So for example, we've led investments or an investment in a company that provides hands-on training around middle skills jobs. Those are jobs like manufacturing automotive. And then we've also in the other spectrum invested in companies um, or a company that is helping major Fortune 500 enterprises better manage their workforce and upskill them into the roles that are going to have more trajectory for them. So, um, the other thing I'd mention is that our thesis is also reflected in how we operate as a fund. So we take this kind of human-centered approach to our investing. So we really believe in transparent communication with our founders, creating um, a good process for them. And we want those founders to get the support they need to help scale their companies. That can be things like coaching, stuff like that. And then Bridget and I also take that same approach to our partnership. So we can build a thriving, sustainable partnership that helps our founders. And so our goal is to become the category-defining fund in, this, uh, in the future of work and to build a venture fund that's really focused or really known for the strength of its partnership. Oh, thank you, Ashley. And um, Ashley, you didn't start out in venture straight after college. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, you know, what was your winding, interesting journey to today? You know, how did you get into venture and, and what kept you going? And, you know, even and then kind of paint the picture of like, what did you see that really inspire you to create, co-create with um, uh, Bridget uh, uh, Firework VC? Sure. So uh, to your point, John, when I was in college, I didn't, didn't had no idea what venture was. Um, I had uh, no intention of going to, uh, towards business, uh, but I was really interested in thinking about how you could um, affect change at scale. And so my original kind of work was actually much more on policy. In my uh, coming out of college, I actually uh, worked at, through Teach for America. I taught in the Bronx um, to get that kind of really on the ground experience. Um, and it was there actually um, that I got interested in technology as a way of solving some of these major challenges I was seeing in my classroom. And that's not just education. That's also all the other things that people need to actually um, have upward mobility in their lives. And that actually underlies a lot of the firework thesis that you know, education is really important, but it's not enough if you think about what actually drives that kind of change. Um, so from Teacher America, it's funny because my school, I taught in the Bronx, like I mentioned, uh, five-story walk-up, no air conditioning, no tech. <laughs> so um, but what I saw, though, is it was really challenging to meet all the needs that I saw there without any support from technology. Um, so I actually ended up going to business school um, after teaching, went to business school and policy school went to Wharton um, and I went to Harvard. And uh, while I was there, I interned at a venture fund that was led by a man named Ted Mitchell. 
And I got hooked on uh, venture then. I also interned with a startup and just fell in love with it and wanted to do that longer term. But as you know, there's no like one path into venture. And so coming out of business school, I worked for BCG, um, kind of got that experience. I was actually pulled into the Obama administration uh, when I was at BCG. So um, I had uh, Ted became the undersecretary for the Department of Education at the time. Um, I got appointed to work through the, for the Obama administration and I went to work with Ted on the innovation agenda uh, from the department's point of view. And I was leaving, um, you know, Ted asked me what I was gonna do when I grew up. And uh, he said that I should go uh, back to venture. And he introduced me to uh, a man named Troy Patterson who had just launched a new fund. Um, and about a month later, I was living in, in San Francisco and uh, you know, never expected to be out here, but kind of a confluence of different um, opportunities and, and people over time kind of brought me out to the Bay. Um, yeah, so thus far, like really loved working in venture, especially at the early stages. And then to your question around launching fireworks. So um, from my investing experience, my previous world, um, I saw a market opportunity around future work that I was really excited about. And I also um, was really focused, as I mentioned, on the early stages where I think this kind of category expertise really matters. A lot of the policy I was talking about before really influences the way that we think about what, what our market opportunities and how that's going to um, play out over time. And so those two pieces combined with um, my view of what kind of culture I'd want to work in long term uh, inspired me to work with Bridget and to to build Firework and happy to you know, answer any more questions about that. Yeah, great. That's really helpful. The um, you know, so far it sounds like you have quite a unique take. You and Bridget have a unique take on upward mobility and the future of work because future of work is probably now a hashtag, right? That <laughs> like an implicit meaning to right. the ecosystem. Would love for you to unpack a bit about your unique, you and uh, Bridget's unique perspectives on you know upward mobility, uh, future of work, and you know kind of pulling together your experience in, in policy and understanding what it takes to make systemic change mm -hmm. and to make that change sustainable as well. Mm -hmm. So um, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, um, we think about future work to your point, like everyone's LinkedIn, so Twitter's everyone's blowing up with future work market maps right now. Um, largely, a lot of the trends that can underlie our thesis that are driving a lot of the conversation now, Bridget and I had seen coming, we'd invested in companies kind of, we call the first wave of this from our, from our previous world. And those trends have just really been accelerated by COVID. Those are things like remote distributed work, um, online training, stuff like that. Um, so we think about this human-centered approach. And so we are thinking about what is actually helping people in the transition of the economy. So less so about like robotics or AI and more about how people will adapt and be able to thrive given the pace of change that's driven by advancements in technology. So we tend to invest in about in these four kind of verticals. Um, one is new models of work. We invest in a company called Brain Trust in that category. It's a user-owned um, freelancer marketplace. Um, two, one is called Worker Mobility. Uh, that's about how people are uh, changing and finding new occupations given the changes in the economy. So there's research that excuse me suggests that um, you know prior to COVID, that as much as a third of the U.S. workforce would need to change jobs by 2030. And um, we can't just hire and fire our way out of those needs. So how do enterprises actually better manage their existing workforces? And we invested in a company called Learn In in that category. Um, we've also thought about what supports do people need outside of work, outside of their job, I should say. 
um, to really thrive given all these changes, especially given the nature of the employer-employee relationships really changing. Um, you don't necessarily get all the benefits you might have in the past from your employer. So within that category, we've invested in a company called Catch that provides portable benefits for the alternate workforce. And then finally, we also think about what skills do people need uh, to thrive in this, this new economy. So we believe the future of work is a blend of uniquely human skills, leadership, communication, uh, creativity, collaboration, things that at least right now we don't think will get automated away in the short term. And then um, in-demand technical and digital skills that people can grow over time. And so within that category, we've invested and led around um, in a company, it's not announced yet, but that helps um, with upskilling middle skills roles. So um, that could be everything from auto, like automotive to green tech, um, specifically around rural and middle America. And so again, if you think about our thesis relative uh, to what other funds are kind of focused on in this space, it really is thinking about how do people thrive given all these changes and what are the full set, the full range of supports and services, not just education, that people need to be able to achieve that upward mobility. Is that, is that into your question? Yeah, that really does. That really does. And, you know, it's fascinating because you're speaking, I'm thinking you are a venture fund and obviously you have an uh, obligation or duty to um, generate returns for your, uh, for your LPs and being um, a steward of capital. But as a result of having this different approach to the future of work and upward mobility, what economic opportunity do you see your fund can secure that perhaps someone who has a less multi-dimensional take on future of work would miss? Yeah, I think you know, we look to see, um, really to look for the white spaces here that we think are these outsized market opportunities. For example, one of the companies that I just mentioned um, focus, many of the, the students or customers that are being served by it are, are in, like one of their biggest customers in Alabama, right? In Texas and there's other places that might be traditionally underserved by the venture community, broadly speaking, um, as a generalization. But, um, you know, we're, we're looking for opportunities that we believe are these massive market opportunities that will drive those kind of financial returns you were talking about, John, but also um, some other organizations might not have the kind of category expertise and networks that allow them access to those type of, those type of investments. And, um, you know, one of the things that we really focus on too, and I kind of alluded to this in the beginning is because we're really focused in this category, um, we have a, a perspective on these various verticals we're investing. We're actively looking for certain types of companies where we think there are those opportunities rather than just kind of reacting to what's coming in. And we're building, as a result, building relationships with entrepreneurs over time adding value along the way. And in many, in the cases that we've led rounds, we've preempted those rounds um, and then created, uh, you know, really, you know, quick um, and um, a process that allows the CEOs to continue to stay focused on what's most important to them, like building the business while also getting the partner they want in their next round. And so we, we take pride also in um, being able to um, be in a position to preempt and to be able to create those experiences for CEOs and build relationships with them um, and help them to kind of stay focused on what's most important. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it's fascinating. You say you also have an active approach to outreaching and building relationships with these entrepreneurs. Um, you know, what do you find you get to discover about the entrepreneur that perhaps a more passive investment strategy and inbound request, right? Uh, might not give you the time to do the diligence you need um, mm -hmm. on the founder, co-founding team. 
Yeah, in many cases, um, we've known the CEO for years before we're investing in them. Actually, one of them, one of our CEOs, I was her graduate, I was a TA for her <laughs> when I was in graduate school. Another one, um, uh, that is not how we source, it's just students that we've taught, but um, it's a funny, you know, seven, eight years later kind of thing. Um, but um, we tend to, as you build a relationship over time, uh, see how, one, how they're executing against their plan, obviously, but two, you start to see um, what are the areas that they could use specific support around as they're building their business. And so one of the things I also mentioned is that we help our founders to the extent they want it to get connected with experts that will help build the business, but also uh, coaches and other folks who can help them as individuals thrive as they're scaling. And so it's kind of understanding, we have like a menu, I would say, of supports we have for different folks and understanding what's the right combination to support the CEO as they're going through this next part of the business or the next phase of the business, I should say. Um, but I think it's around really understanding them as individuals, their goals. And a lot of times you, you get to know their families. And in one case, one of the CEOs I went to college with his wife. <laughs> so you, you really get to know people as, as individuals as well as how they run their business. Um, and I think you only, you kind of see that over time. Um, in some cases, this is the second time we've worked with a CEO. I, um, one that, one that we led that we're on the board of now, I observed on his previous board where he's chairman of that company. So, you know, we've actually worked with them in the past. And so we take that um, approach to have really strong conviction in the CEO. So that's, that's tends to be less of the focus of the, of the diligence. And you can have one that's really about, is this the right time to infuse this capital versus like, do I believe in this person? Because we already have conviction there. So it's much more around like the plan and what they need and the capital needs of the business uh, versus like, do I believe in this person when you're doing that kind of, uh, that kind of process. Yeah, wow, that's um, that's a big uh, that's a big component to have ticked off around the diligence on the founder and the team before you get in a conversations. And we still do it more of it, but I think you know yeah. you're going in with that perspective that you have conviction there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, thanks. Um, and you know, curious as well because you know, um, you're looking when when you look at future of work and upward mobility and looking for you know these category defining companies. I mean, in your experience, you know, a lot of category defining companies aren't easy to evaluate using precedence. Yeah. And so, you know, when you get to the stage where there is a market opportunity and the right founder is kind of navigating through that complexity with no previously laid track, how do you evaluate those companies or how do you identify them enough to want to dig deeper? in a way that maybe someone who who's relying too much on history mm. might not be able to? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think um, part of the way that we at least think about that is um, like a company like LearnIn is a good example. So this is the company I mentioned uh, that was founded by David Blake. Um, he's the chairman of Degreed. Um, and then he left to, well, he left to a CEO to start new companies. And again, he's still chairman there. But um, when we came together to preempt that, this was actually a CV that we primarily do series A, but um, Bridget and I had seen because of the kind of time we've spent in this category, like thousands of companies kind of specifically in and around this category and have, so we have that piece of it. We have 
the research focus that we do. Um, so really looking to see what we believe are the macro trends and the policy implications that are driving the category. And so with Learning, what, what it does is it's a company that's helping, as I mentioned, enterprises better manage their existing workforce. So some of the trends I talked about before, um, I was looking for stuff that's gonna help address this problem, right? So there's a stat that the World Economic um, Forum put out that's like 54% of people need um, significant, like reskilling or upskilling by 2022, like two years, <laughs> not even two years. Um, and we don't, we can't do that from the traditional education system that exists today. So one of our perspectives is that the employer is now becoming a different unit of delivery. And there's a new social contract that's starting to emerge between employers and employees. We can't hire and fire our way out of this problem. Um, there's uh, the traditional education system is not um, on average putting people into workforce prepared for the jobs they're going to do. So we have to think about how we address this problem. There's other stats like 70% of CEOs say they don't, they have huge skills gaps in their, their companies, right? And so we can't address this incrementally. And so we had been looking for something that was like, how are we going to actually facilitate this kind of upskilling at scale? Um, and how is it gonna come from the employers? And most employers also say they're not equipped to kind of do this now with their in-house capabilities. Like 16% say they are from a McKinsey study. So we, we had all these stats, right? We're kind of um, underlying how we're thinking about this category. And we sat down with David to talk about this idea. Um, this is like on a napkin in a coffee shop type of thing. And, you know, we were very much like, yes, let's go do this together. We're going to preempt this round and work on this with you because we see the confluence of all the research that we've seen. We believe this matters. The policy um, around this category around tuition benefits and things, we see opportunity there to use those in a better way. Bridget from her experience investing in Guild, me from my work at Degreed. Um, and this is the team we have conviction in. So David uh, you know, started there and had two other people from Degreed with him. And then the other woman who became his CEO, I actually introduced David to the previous year, knew her really well. So we had conviction in that white space, like there's no one doing this. Um, we had conviction in this team and we also had been looking for something that was addressing this specific problem. Um, and so to your point around founders who are, there's not precedent, it's a combination of those, I think, three things for us is understanding what's driving, in our view, the market opportunity, what's the real problem and like, what are the trends around that? Um, but how do we see that historically and what's the future of that? For us, we specifically think about what are the policy implications around that? Um, and then we think about, are these the right people to, do we have conviction in their ability to go after this particular untackled problem. And with, in David's case, um, you know, we, Bridget and I had both known him for years and I had like actually directly worked on his previous board. Um, he's a kind of future work expert author and, uh, you know, works with a number of the larger companies around these issues. Um, and that's what gave us conviction to, you know, kind of go after that as a category defining company. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. Thanks for sharing all this insight. I mean, <laughs> that was very deep into, you know, the psychology of your fund and it's been, <laughs> but we're going to go deeper but we're going to take a bit of a pivot like to uh, Bridget and you you know um, you two came together started Fireword VC have been actively investing um, can you tell us a bit about uh, kind of your GP duo choreography you know um, uh, you know we originally wanted both on the show but you know we can't it's hard to manage two so <laughs> Oh, you're running an online school right now. <laughs> you were selected to be the voice, but tell us about, you know, the partnership. Um, you know, 
where how you two uh, synergize, so to speak, and what what um, what you find impressive about Bridget and what she finds impressive about you in the partnership. Sure, thank you. I appreciate the question. Um, so I'll kind of step back and then how we kind of came together. Um, so I know Bridget. She was one of the first people I met when I moved out um, to San Francisco to start investing. So. Um, I reached out to her really early in my career because she um, had led investments in a few companies that I was really excited about. So at that time, she had done the Series A and she already previously done the seed for Guild Education and BetterUp, which are two companies now um, that we that really influence the way we think about this category. And that was I had the kind of seeds of this um, when I started investing, you know, originally started investing, but I was really excited about those type of companies as opportunities. And those have gone on to become, you know, billion dollar companies that we really believe define the space and influence our thinking about our thesis. So I reached out to her around, um, to meet her because she had, you know, done these investments and also because she was a female GP leading investments in human capital. At that time, she was a GP at Social Capital and I really admired uh, and wanted to build my network among female VCs. I, at the time, worked at an all-male team who was great, but I was, I was looking to still build, the, build that as well. Um, and so we started meeting regularly and um, sharing deals. Um, we actually observed on a board together. Uh, we had co-investments across our funds. Um, and over time, it became really clear to us that we had the shared view of this market opportunity, which has become firework. Um, also, a focus, the same um, kind of perspective on stage. So one of our, um, also our beliefs is that the category expertise really matters in the early stages. We're like, we're joining boards, we're working closely with founders. Um, and we think that um, that's the stage where we can be of most value as people who have specialized networks in this space before they're just kind of in growth year rounds. And the other piece that was really, I think, um, uh, is core to our uh, partnership is that we have a similar view, as I mentioned, on kind of culture and venture and how we think about um, our own professional and personal growth. And so in terms of culture, um, Bridget and I focus um, a lot on how we think or how we build a, a, a platform that has a really values diversity of thought, different experiences. I love with Bridget and I, um, we both obviously have been venture investing for a number of years, but we have complementary backgrounds outside of that that um, really help us in terms of our diligence, sourcing, post-investments, and all that. And it's how we're looking to build out our team is to really uh, be a platform where folks um, can have that. Like, diversity thought's really valued. Um, the other piece is, as I mentioned, this focus on professional and personal growth. Um, people are still people when they go to work. <laughs> they have challenges that they need to... Um, kind of work through and areas for growth. Um, you know, we, as I mentioned, think about this with our CEOs in terms of getting them access to coaches and other supports that help them thrive as individuals and CEOs and to create the type of cultures we want them to scale over time. Um, we also do that as a team. We view this as not um, something that's uh, fixing a problem is supercharging the strength of your team is by creating that really transparent, open communication um, and culture that we believe is really important in a thriving venture partnership. As, as you both know, one of the questions that LPs are most focused on in, in new funds is what's the strength of the partnership? And we invested really early in, um, in that for ourselves um, and for the teams around us. We believe it's actually de-risking our portfolio by getting them the support to address any challenges they have internally head on, right? Um, 
And we uh, believe in that for us from the beginning, where it's around um, creating an even stronger partnership and preventing them from being any kind of um, unnecessary challenges in the future. Um, the other piece I just mentioned on um, strength of partnership. So Bridget and I, um, you know, with the shelter in place order um, happened, obviously we're in these unprecedented times. Uh, we joke, we actually decided to shelter in place together so we can continue investing, continue to build the firm. We've been really active investing at this time. And part of that's because we already, we already had that relationship beginning um, before um, <laughs> this happened, but then took this as an opportunity to continue to like really strengthen partnership, work together, continue building the firm, even through this kind of, um, you know, challenging time. So in terms of our partnership, I'd say it's built on, again, that like shared view of the market opportunity, shared focus on stage, shared view of culture for our team and shared view of how we want to support founders. And we believe that's a reflection again of our thesis of what the future of work is. We believe the future of work does think about people holistically and provides them with those supports and services they need to thrive um, from an investment category opportunity. And then we also mirror that in our work and with our founders. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Very much. Uh, thanks for, you know, I, I know, um, and, and you know, we're, we're heading up on time, but I mean, we could have you speak so much longer on this topic and, um, but um you know, I'm, I'm going to ask an embarrassing question, you know, if, um, <laughs> you know, if, if, an, if future LPs who are aligned with the space and the mission of what Firework are doing, for, if they're watching this video in the future, um, and you, and you didn't have to explain, convince, or get through any preconceived notions, what would you really want them to understand about you and Bridget and Firework truly? Um, what message would you want them to get undistorted, clear as day? It's a good question. Um, I'd say a couple of points. Um, I'd say the future of work is um, an emerging market opportunity that's it's really big. And what we've, we're excited about it is that it cuts across so many different verticals. Um, it cuts across human resources, financial services, health and education. And we believe this new, it's, it takes a new perspective, a new category expertise to go win in that market. Um, one comment on that is folks will talk about generalists getting excited about the space. And, and that's, we think that's great actually, just showing more um, uh, excitement around the category, but we do believe that the best entrepreneurs in, this, in the category will still pick people who have that specific expertise to help them build their business. Um, so one is that we expect that this is a new category that requires expertise. Two, um, you know, research shows this and we hope to prove it is that diversity of thought improves your returns um, and that these type of supports and services that we're providing for uh, in terms of our partnership and for our uh, CEOs, we also believe that that will drive returns um, and kind of change. Um, we believe that we can change the way the, uh, it's a nebulous thing to say, but uh, doing business differently in venture can actually drive outsized returns. I'll, put, I'll phrase it that way. Um, I think those are the two main takeaways of, of how we think about the firm is both the market opportunity and then two, like, well, one, that market opportunity and two, like how you actually do business as a fund um, matters and how it, um, and it will drive the kind of return profile that you want to see. 
really nicely said. Thank you, Bridget. Um, Thank you. Arjun, any final remarks, anything on your end? No, thanks, Ashley. Really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, this was wonderful. Great. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate it.